Utah, give me two. And here we go. Thundercats, ho! Can't be too careful with all those weirdos around. <laughs> you Greenpeace types are pacifists, aren't you? If it bleeds, we can kill it. And yet it's... Now you want to get nuts? Come on. What is that, Slavic? No. About a nine on the tension scale, Rube. This is a little bell I ring when someone's being a total ass. You son of a bitch. You no good. Welcome to Comic-Cons, a geek podcast for the rest of us. Who are the rest of us? I don't know. I don't know who the rest of us are. I wish I knew. Sometimes, well, most of the time, I've said the rest of us are the people that don't take this shit that seriously. But really, the rest of us, I mean, that's a burning question. Like, who are the rest of us? Like, who are we? Who are we as people? Who are we as in what do we like? Where do we come from? You know, if I'm sitting on a train and I'm heading to my moon base in Tahiti, hmm, do I really know the person that sits next to me? Even if that person sits next to me almost every day on the train or across from me every day on the train. I mean, I see the same kind of people. We're all coming from the same place, allegedly. We're all going to a similar place, allegedly. But what is said person that sits across from me, you know, this person that I've referenced in my mind millions of days before, millions of days before, a million times before, they go to some, uh, I don't know, strip club one day in the middle of the day, you know, and they've been doing it for the last 30 days because... They lost their job and they just don't want to admit it to their wife and they just keep going to a strip club. And no, I'm not speaking from experience, kids. I'm just saying, what if that person was doing that? What if the other guy, like back behind me, a couple a couple seats, has been jerking off, you know, and nobody even knows, you know what I mean? He's just fucking wailing away under there, you know? I mean, some people bring blankets, mostly women, but a dude could roll on there with a blanket and, and no one would ever be the wiser, you know? I mean, I would like to think that maybe eventually over time you might be able to smell it in the air. But who would really know? You know, I wouldn't be able to know. Maybe I would. Maybe I would know from experience, not from jerking off on trains, but just jerking off so much in my life that maybe it would give off some kind of pheromone where I'd be like, is somebody, is somebody actually jerking off in here? You smell that, that must, you know? Like I had a friend in high school, he thought the dagwood trees, dagwood? Hmm, dogwood trees? Uh, that the smell of the trees when they bloomed, He'd always said it smelled like jizz. And I know I haven't heard that word in a while, so I thought I'd try to bring it back because people like in the 90s would always say jizz. Then they kind of stopped. Like 2000s came, people stopped saying jizz. People just dropped it all together and they were like, come, when I come. So it's like they brought it back. They brought come back, but they don't say jizz anymore, you know? Um, Unless they do. There might be a whole faction of people like in Utah somewhere that say jizz. And I'm just not familiar with them. I just don't know them. But I digress. You know, you just don't know people. You don't know who they are. You don't know the, the sadness somebody's going through next to you. And on a real note, you don't know, uh, you don't know if somebody's a ticking time bomb. You know, you don't know if somebody's uh, lost a loved one. But to that end, you don't know if somebody just had a newborn, you know? I mean, I guess if you saw them pregnant every day, you would, and then they came back and they're not pregnant after being out of the office for a few weeks, I guess you would kind of deduce that they recently had their child. But I'm talking about things going on behind the scenes, folks, okay? 
that are not apparent on the surface. So I don't know if I had to go that much further in that, in that point, but I'm just saying you just don't know. You only know what you know, or you only know what you don't know. You know what I mean? Do you know? You know? The point I'm trying to make is who the rest of us really are is kind of irrelevant, but this show is supposed to, ideally, I guess, when it the inception of it all was created, I guess, uh, the show is supposed to kind of be the show for the people that are not taking any of this shit that seriously. Now, I've always said that referring to the comic book movies, the sci-fi, fantasy, whatever. Everybody loves a time cop. Everybody loves a legend. Some people love Quantum Leap. Some people love Fast and Furious. <laughs> I'm just saying there's something for everybody, right? And some people love this shit and they take it so seriously because they fucking go to every Trekkie convention. And if you misspeak one thing about a Star Trek uh, episode or even a movie on a podcast episode or on anything, they're fucking frothing at the mouth. They'll fucking email you. They'll Twitter you. They'll fucking Instagram you. And they fucking blow, lose their shit. I was about to say blow their load. That's another thing. People don't really say that anymore. They don't say blow their load. Why not? Blow your load. Um... But we, I didn't want to do that, you know? And when I say we, me and Mr. McBride, and then Buddy Hamilton, Sean Lemley, and then James Powell, Jimmy Golden, Cadillac Johnson, you know the list. All of us over time, the whole goal, at least in my mind, has been to do a show where you just talk to friends, people that you're cool with, people that you love, and either you have a history with or you don't. Because some of these people that have come on the show, I got history with. Some of them, I feel like I've become closer with as a result, as a result of this show. So... Over time, it just kind of became this thing where, yeah, we would just talk about shit that we loved, you know? And we don't take it seriously to the point where we're writing novels online about this, you know? And we're not fucking going on Instagram and trolling people's accounts or even Twitter. I don't even have a Twitter account. Uh, and we're not going on Facebook and posting articles, long-winded articles, and then sharing them. And then there's like this long diatribe of things we're not supposed to do and we're just not getting into all that, you know? But I've said some things on the show that I feel passionate about. But at the end of the day, I always say it's just fiction because it doesn't really matter, you know? It's not family. It's not disease and death and turmoil, you know? But it's also not a newborn. And it's also not uh, an anniversary of a loved one's passing or a loved one's birth, you know what I mean? So there are things, including family and friends, that are to be treasured. And there are things that are to be revered. And there are things that are to be, uh, you know, acknowledged and maybe given a moment of silence, you know. And there are things that we should take seriously in life, of course. But this kind of shit, like movies and entertainment, it's not one of them. It never has been. But I fucking love it. And I fucking love talking about it. And sometimes I worry because I, I don't know if I care enough about the shit that's right in front of me all the time. I mean, I do. I say I do. But I feel like sometimes I'll be, I mean, I am in, I'm at work, you know, like I'm, 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 a, I'm at my work at the moon base, you know, and I want to take it seriously and I want to have pride in my job, but all I can do is just drift off about Ed 209 showing up in a conference room and fucking telling everybody they have 10 seconds to comply and they don't comply and then he malfunctions and he fucking, he blows everybody away. And everybody adjourns the meeting and they go right on with their day. I mean, sure, there's some hubbub and they talk about it the rest of the day. And I'm sure it's some water cooler gossip going on. But uh, but they don't really stop and pause. They just move on. I mean, that, that kind of thing really uh, stayed with me when I was a kid watching that movie. 
And so I still think about Ed 209 to this day. And I think about Robocop at least once a day. You know, it's probably one of my favorite movies of all time. It had a message, I believe, when it came out. I guess to me it would seem that the message would be that the world is a perverse place and there are just some things you shouldn't fucking mess with and that includes bringing people back to life and merging them with technology and then putting all your hands and faith in technology and how sometimes even if you do lose sight of the humanity in something, there's still a chance that you can find it if you look hard enough. Maybe I'm just digging too deep, but I mean, there is a sort of a a deep hidden, deeply hidden uh, heartwarming message in RoboCop, right? Maybe, sort of, I don't know. Um, Anyway, the point is, sometimes you go to a movie and you don't know what to expect, you know? But sometimes you could end up liking something more than you realized, you know? And you could also realize, hey, this is just a movie. It's here for entertainment. It's just to entertain me. But then there are mindless entertainment movies, right? And then there are films, like films with a clear message, a message that like, this is a, this is a, point there's an, almost an agenda attached to this movie and don't worry kids i'm not going to say that the movie we're about to talk about is that movie i'm just saying that those movies do exist um and i think this movie that i'm about to rant about um well, maybe not in fact i don't even know if i want to rant about this movie i'll I tell you what i liked this movie i didn't love this movie but i liked this movie but i almost feel like i like that this movie exists more than i actually like the movie because I'm a kind of at a stage in my life where if I want to watch something for two hours, I not only want to be entertained, but I also, at the end of the day, I kind of want to feel good, you know? <laughs> like, I watched this movie, and it's not like Macbeth or anything like that. We can say Joker. I don't know why I haven't said the title yet, but... Um, Joker. I watched Joker. I watched it with the wife. We went on a date. Baby boy. He had a babysitter. Um, we didn't even really have time. We were kind of rushed. So we really just had to like grab some snacks for our dinner. And maybe that was part of it too. Like I didn't have a good meal, but, uh, <laughs> but I watched, I watched this movie and my wife and I, like my wife loved it, you know? And she was like, man, I feel like I haven't watched a movie of like substance in so long. Like she doesn't get out to the movies as much as I do, to be fair, but she loved it. She really loved it. And I really liked it, but I feel like, I mean, this movie is dark. It is dark, dark, dark. It's gritty, gritty grits. I mean, it's rated R for a reason, but it is, it's a dark movie. And it's probably the darkest comic book movie of all time. Um, And I say comic book movie because it's not necessarily based on a comic, but of course it's based on a comic book character that everybody knows, the arch nemesis of Batman, you know? When they were making this movie, I remember thinking, why? You know, like, why would they make it? Like, I feel like you can't do a Joker movie without Batman because Joker is kind of the antithesis of Batman. He's kind of the result of Batman. But I was in because I like Joaquin Phoenix and I was in because I thought, wow, Todd Phillips, like the hangover guy, he's going to be directing a rated R Joker movie. And I think there were some rumors at the time that Martin Scorsese was producing. I don't know if that's ever true. I, I, I watched some of the credits before we left, but I don't know if I caught that. I did see that Bradley Cooper produced it. That was kind of interesting. Um, but either way, there was enough going on about the movie that intrigued me. And the supporting cast was great. Um, a lot of cameos from stand-up comedians, including Mark Maron, even Brian Callen was in there. Um, Bill Camp, great character actor. Uh, Shia Wigham, great character actor also. 
Uh, a lot of these guys have done stuff with HBO. And if you've watched any HBO shows, you've seen all the supporting cast in this movie. Um, but yeah, great supporting cast, great acting. Joaquin Phoenix, I just got to say right now, real quick before I go any further. He's an incredible actor. Um, the laughter in this movie that he does, the uncontrollable laughter that his character has, and then the, the range that he that he performs in this movie is incredible. Uh, it's indelible. It's incredible. It's it's off the charts. Um, is it too close to call if it's the best Joker ever? Best Joker performance? Uh, maybe. You know, I mean, Heath Ledger is still Heath Ledger. Jack Nicholson is still Jack Nicholson. This is just a different portrayal, and it's it's hard, man. It's hard to say, but this is definitely the darkest movie based on any kind of comic book character or what have you, whatever, that I've ever seen. And that's including, like, it's including anything. Because even dark movies like Sin City that are literally dark, uh, they're not really that dark in terms of how they're filmed or how they're portrayed because at the end of the day, it's, they're still very campy. Like, you know you're watching a comic book movie. When we're watching this movie, I mean, I was reminded of Taxi Driver, of course, but I was also reminded of Falling Down with Michael Douglas, you know? I mean, if anybody's seen my Falling Down, I mean, any story where there's a guy who's just, he's eating shit most of his life, he's getting pushed down, pushed down, and he's basically a ticking time bomb, and he's not mentally well, and he's not all there. Anybody watching that, if it's done well enough, you're going to be uncomfortable. And if it's done really well, you might even root for the person at times because you almost sympathize with them, right? But this movie gets to the point where you sympathize, you may root a little, but then you kind of hold back and then you get uncomfortable and then you kind of squirm in your seat. And then at the end, the ending of this movie, and I'm not going to spoil anything in this movie because I want people to go out and see this and kind of formulate their own opinion. But I will just say, the end of this movie, it's almost insurmountable. The amount of doom and the presence of that doom, that looming doom, is so powerful. It's probably the best, I don't even know how to capture it. It's probably the best uh, performance. I don't even know if I'd say performance. Just maybe the best portrayal or personification of of impending doom in, a, in one character that I've seen on screen in my entire life. And for that alone, I will always like this movie for that because it's done something that I've just never seen. And I'm sure there's a million movies out there like Falling Down or, or even uh, Taxi Driver that people could say or reference and say that it has been done before. But I mean, the score, the cinematography, and just that scene at the end where he becomes officially Joker, um, it's intense. It's intense. And the way they involved the city and they shot the city and they made Gotham City mirror New York City from the late 70s and 80s. That was brilliantly done. Uh, they don't do too much overexposition, which I love. They just kind of put you right in the city, and there you are in that time frame. Even with the opening credits and the music, you feel like you're watching a film. You're not really watching a movie, certainly not a popcorn summer movie. It's good that this thing opened in October because this is like a, a, a sneaker hit kind of didn't see you coming left, right hook kind of thing, and... Uh, it's really jarring and shocking and the violence is visceral and at times unsettling. And I'm not even, I didn't buy into the hype that this movie, I guess it wasn't really hype. It was more or less just people writing about how this movie 
is championing violence and um, praising a violent character. And I don't know, I wouldn't even go that far. Um, I didn't read a lot of that hoopla. I just sort of saw headlines and clickbait. And I've talked to other friends who kind of asked me about it. And um, and after a movie ends, I don't. I try to stay away from the reviews before I watch the movie. But after a movie ends, I will read some other reviews and kind of just get some overall sense of a takeaway. And I've looked on the, on the on the Rotten Tomatoes too. And some of the criticism on this movie has been kind of hit or miss. Um, and I know I'm rambling and I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like nothing's really quite been done like this before ever. Um, and I, and I'm more intrigued by where this movie could go. Um, I mean, fuck it. Spoilers. He becomes a Joker, right? At the end of the movie. And the movie culminates with him murdering a famous talk show host as he becomes, as he goes on the air as, as the guest. And the talk show host, played by Robert De Niro, brings him on essentially to ridicule him. You know, before YouTube and viral videos, somehow they, somebody caught a video of him doing Arthur Fleck, doing his stand-up routine. Uh, and Murray Franklin, Robert De Niro, plays it on the show and then subsequently invites him on the show. And Joker, Arthur Fleck, uses that opportunity to essentially emerge as Joker, be announced as Joker as he comes out onto the stage sits down for his interview, drops a couple deadpan jokes and bad taste humor, and then murders fucking Murray Franklin, Robert De Niro. And the way he did it, by just shooting him in the head, it's so simple, it's so plain, but it was so visceral and real to me and unsettling in a way that I haven't seen before. Like, I've watched a lot of violent movies, you know? I mean, I talk about Robocop and that opening scene, but even the violence that I grew up on, was at the end of the day, it was always camp because it wasn't real. It was squibs and aliens and monsters and robots and half-robots and half-robot dicks and fellatio and dildos and one-eyed men. You know what I mean? Just things that were just out there already. So even if they were excruciatingly violent, you know, and gratuitous violence galore and gratuitous tits hanging out and splatterhouse, bukkake house, all of it, at the end of the day, it was never really that threatening or it never really impaired me or stayed with me in like a haunting kind of a way because it wasn't really real. But in this day and age, we do live in a time where somebody can just walk into a place and shoot people, you know what I mean? And it's happened. And you almost become numb to it. And I'm not going to get on my high horse about this and say that, that there's parallels with this and that and how it's, no, I'm not even, it's not that, it's not like that at all. I'm just pointing out that subsequently we do live in that time, circumstantially, I should say, that we live in that time. Um, and it's kind of, when you see it, and the violence in this is just so plain and real. At one, t- at one point, he stabs a guy's eye out with a pair of scissors. And I feel like that, I feel like normally I'd be like, okay, whatever. But the way it's done in here, it's just so, it's so real. This is probably the most realistic comic book movie I've ever seen in my life. And I feel like, and I was telling a friend this tonight, this kind of movie could bring about a whole wave of darker DC movies or even darker comic book movies in general that are straight up dark character studies of these characters that we kind of know about from the comics. And I think that'd be a great thing. In fact, that's what I'm more intrigued about than anything. I'm more intrigued about the idea of this film and what it could mean for future comic book movies than I am about what actually happened in this film. Because at the end of the day, I'm just going to come out and say it. Not a whole lot happens in this movie in terms of a takeaway, in terms of a message. It's really just a guy is not all there. He's not mentally well he gets fucked around with too much and he fucking snaps. That's the movie. But watching it was, a, I mean, it was, it was a film. Like it was, a, and, it's a, and it was a well-made good film. 
Has it been done before? Sure. Has it been done in better ways at times? I don't know. I can't really speak to that. It's been years since I even saw a taxi driver. It's been a lot more years since I even saw falling down or vice versa, one of the two. And I usually don't watch that kind of movie anyway. Like for me, and I always joke about this, but it's true. For me to really kind of get through a thing, at least nowadays, I kind of want to see a robot or two or at least some tits. You know what I mean? Give me some tits or some robots. You know what I mean? Some lasers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't ask for much. You know, and I've been rewatching Breaking Bad and rewatching that last season. Oh, it's gritty, man. And it gets dark and it's, and it's unsettling at times, especially as a father now. And people say that and it's kind of cliche, but it's true. When you, when you get older, you're, you change and your, and your viewpoints change and the way you view the world changes. And when you have a kid, man, that shit fucking, it, it changes. And all those cliches, they're fucking true. Like it's, it's cliche for a reason. It's stereotypical for a reason. It's generic, not really generic. It's, I mean, it is what it is. You know, I used to fucking hate that saying, but it is exactly what it is, you know? And uh, watching things as a dad now affect me way more, you know? And that's part of the reason why I became, I almost became more sympathetic to this madman that I thought I ever could because they get into his history and guess what kids his name might not even be Arthur Fleck spoiler he was adopted oh my god and his mom was crazy and she was committed to Arkham Asylum and she was abusive so much for not doing a spoiler episode but uh but that kind of shit made me sympathetic to him because he he was raised that way it wasn't his fault and when he kills his mom again spoiler you kind of don't feel bad you're like all right that crazy bitch kind of had it coming and then Thomas Wayne is in this movie again so just just heads up Thomas Wayne is in this movie as well um for anybody looking for a a slight connection to the DC universe we get the Wayne family in here and that was well done like they they put it out there but they didn't shove it down our throats and Thomas Wayne wasn't portrayed like he was in the Nolan verse as this kind you know kind-hearted sympathetic man who just wanted the best for not only his son and his family but for Gotham you know what a what a beacon of hope and light not in this movie I mean, he says on TV that he's just trying to help the people, but he refers to them as clowns before there even are clowns in the streets wreaking havoc. And he just kind of comes off as a greedy, white, rich guy who just, he's just entitled and privileged. And I mean, there's a lot of that out there already. And maybe that's some of the message too, you know, for the MAGA generation. That might be some of it. I'm not saying that personally, but I'm saying some of that could be gleaned from that. But I think it's more or less the same tale as old as time, you know, that rich old white people have been around for a long time. They're going to be around for a long time to come. And it's understandable how they're, how people could hate rich white old people and how they could get tired of being poor. And we've seen it happen in history and we can see it happen in the future. Like people, when they're pushed to the brink and they don't have anything to lose, they act up and they fucking, <laughs> they light some fires. You know, they might stack the tires first, but they light the fires, you know? I mean, man, I am blessed that I haven't had to be in a situation where I've thought about doing something crazy like lighting fires and stacking tires. Any fires that I lit was during my early adolescent days and was probably just setting fire to some toys with with a lighter and a can of hairspray, you know what I'm saying? Because I was bored and again, privileged and I was well fed and I was a spoiled, rotten, suburban white kid just setting fire to his toys. Wow. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I can't empathize. I might not be able to relate, you know, 
to that kind of poverty and suffering, but I can certainly empathize, especially as an audience member watching Gotham rip itself apart. I mean, Gotham as a character itself in this movie works really well. Um, Probably the best it's ever been portrayed. And this movie, Joker, is almost an origin movie, not only to Joker, but an, an origin movie to Gotham and certainly an origin movie to Batman. And you want Batman at the end of this movie. Not necessarily to show up right away because, again, Bruce Wayne is in this movie, but he's 10. But they show the Waynes get killed. Spoiler alert again. So everybody should know by now, side note, that when I say I'm not going to spoil a a movie, most likely I am. We spoil movies left and right on this show. So if you're not a long-term listener, go back to the catalog to some movies you have seen that you don't mind getting spoiled. Most of the time, we do old movies. And if you haven't seen this movie yet and you clicked on this anyway, then that's kind of on you. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll put spoiler in my review things so people know. I'll say I'll, I'll say I'll say that I was doing a intending to do a non-spoiler review, but ended up through my own, you know, rambling and ranting, doing a spoiler-filled review. I just you know I'm just tired of the word spoiler anyway. Spoilers, no spoilers. Just fucking grow up, watch the fucking movie. You know what I mean? Or don't watch the movie. You know, and don't be that person that doesn't watch shit but then reads the Wikipedia shit just so you can show up to work the next day and just hear the review. Come on. Just so you can show up the next, just so you can show up and be engaged in the conversation. Like you need to be that involved in conversations that you need to fucking look shit up. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I read the cliff notes back in the day because I had to get a grade. I had to pass. You know what I mean? But I don't read the cliff notes of some shit or like read a summary online for something just because I, I'm feeling out of the loop. I haven't read any of the Game of Thrones books and guess what? Not gonna. Don't give fuck. You know what I mean? But I will say that watching this movie, it kind of makes me want to go back and watch like older movies, like some old Sam Peckinpah shit or old, old Scorsese movies, you know? Like, because I feel like this movie really reminded me of that older style of filmmaking, you know, those longer paced shots, you know, where it's more of a slow burn kind of thing, but not in a boring way, just like it's like a, again, it's a character study. You know, you don't see too many of those anymore, and when you do, it's like a lifetime movie. I don't even know if that made sense, but let's go with it. Um, Yeah, man, I really like this movie, but again, like I wanted Batman at the end of this movie, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. I'm just saying this movie is so miserable and so bleak that you want something good to happen, and it really doesn't. But it ends with him essentially, you know, he lives. And uh, I either want to see another Joker movie where something happens. Because think about it this way, man. And here's the deal. And this is just the nerd in me. And some people, you know, anybody listening to the show that's seen this movie, they might agree with me or they might disagree with me. But I just want to put this out there. Watching this movie not only gets me excited for the future DC movies of this same kind of elk, you know, the tone, the darkness, the gritty, gritty grits, but also just the fact that if this was, just hypothetically, an origin movie to Batman, but done with the villain story first, that would be so unique, you know, so ballsy. I mean, the way this movie is set up, it perfectly sets up the Batman universe by showing us how horrible Gotham is. And not only how bad Gotham is, but the building madness of it all and how, and how it's reached a boiling point and then it just fucking boils over. You know, and because of one decision that this guy, Arthur Fleck, Joker, because of this one decision he made, this snapshot of a decision to get a gun, you know, and kill three guys in a subway and how that just went over and over into this snowball of events, into this fucking catastrophic street riding 
madness, you know? It was so well done that it's like, oh my God, like we could see a movie one day, you know, Bruce Wayne's 10 in this movie, you know? Arthur Fleck has got to be like 30, right? So 20 years from now, when Batman's 30-ish, Arthur Fleck's in his 50s, you know, and I think Joaquin is like almost 50, if not 50. He could come back and just be like that Nicholson-aged Joker, you know? Maybe he's been locked up in Arkham for years and years and years, you know, and Batman's on the scene and Joker breaks out because he sees Batman, you know? I mean, just imagine the places they could go with that, but keep it visceral and real like this? Holy shit. Like, I thought the Nolan movies were real. I thought the Nolan universe was a real deal. Real deal. (laughs) Every time I say real deal, I think of this fucking pawn store commercial, a pawn store commercial, kids, that comes on uh, when you're, you know, before the trailers start, there's that video in your theater. Every local theater has their own little intros, you know, and if it's not Regal, especially, it's like a privately owned one. It's got all kinds of crazy shit. But ours here in town, the Regal anyway, has, I guess they rent their ad space out before the trailers start and they rent out to local vendors. And the local vendors around here are fucking, I mean, there's so many pawn stores. And I just never really realized how weird it was. I was just so used to it. Because this one pawn store commercial just going on and on and on about, we got the real deal, the real deal, the real deal. And if nobody bats an eye, but my friend who was visiting from out of town was like, what the fuck is up with these pawn store commercials? You know, I was like, I don't know. But this movie is the real deal, man. It is. It really is the real deal. And this the idea that we could get that universe, we could see that. Now, I think everything I've read about this, everyone's saying that this movie is going to be a standalone thing. And me and my buddy were talking about it. And he and I both agree that that would kind of suck, you know? I mean, it leaves me wanting more, which is a good thing. But because this movie leaves me wanting more, it's also a bad thing. It leaves me wanting that protagonist. And there's really no closure. There's no closure whatsoever at the end of this movie. I mean, he killed his mom. She kind of had to come. And she was crazy as fuck, by the way. Uh, child abuse, child abuse. You know, hey, I'm a dad. What can I say? Um, but there was some innocent people, a lot of innocent people that got murdered, most likely in this movie, aside from the ones that we saw. And, uh, they didn't necessarily deserve it. Um, and he lives to see another day. I mean, he's in Arkham, like getting out and you always imagine Joker was a crazy son of a bitch. And he certainly killed innocent people in the other movies he was in and especially in the comics. But I guess in this, it just weighs a little bit more. It, it, it weighs a little bit more. And I don't know why. And maybe I'm getting softer. Maybe I'm a pussy. Good guys dying in movies or comic books or any kind of medium, that doesn't necessarily bother me as long as the bad guys doing the killing get what's coming. You know what I mean? You need that to happen. And if this truly is a standalone movie, I just don't understand the point of it. Like, and that's why I don't like it. So I like this movie, but to quote a Mark Bernardin, a guy I don't know, but a journalist and a good screenwriter, at least the stuff I've read, um... He said he liked, no, he said he admired a movie more than he liked it. I think he was talking about Ad Astra. I actually really liked Ad Astra. But he said he admired it more than he liked it. And at first I was like, hmm, interesting. But I know exactly what that means. I admired this movie, Joker, more than I actually liked it. So my rating system, my my flavors of positivity, because again, part of the show is we want to stay positive, right? And this movie is not positive at all. But part of the, the flavors here, uh, we have call to work good at the top of the heap, then movie theater good, then home video good. You know, you're going to buy this thing and actually watch it. Maybe not regularly, but at least 
quasi regularly when maybe a friend comes over that's never seen it or you're just bored one day on the train you want to pop it up on the voodoo uh then we have catch it on cable good which is really netflix you know hulu what have you uh and then after that we have sick with the flu good you're so sick you're not even changing the channel maybe you're so sick you want to just watch something to make you feel better okay and then last but not least we have solitary confinement good I don't know why I'm breaking down the little ratings. Most of you guys know what these are already. But, you know, we had some new listeners recently, so it's important to talk about this shit, you know. And I'm, and I'm sure we lost all those new listeners tonight because I rambled all over the place. But I just want to say, I think this movie is home video good. I don't think it's Call Out of Work good. I don't. I wouldn't call out of work to see this. I saw it on opening night in the movie theater with my wife. And I don't think you need to see this on a big screen. I don't. But I do think I'll own it. I think I'm going to buy it when it comes out. If I was still collecting Blu-rays, I'd probably get the Blu-ray, but I'll most likely just get the digital guy because I do like to build, I, I like building a, a digital library now. Um, I've gotten rid of most of my physical copies of movies, which was a lot. I sold a lot um, and I've given a lot away. Maybe that's something fun we could do on the podcast, start giving away movies from my collection, you know, because I actually transferred a lot of them to my, I don't know why I'm talking about it. Anyway, the point is, <laughs> boop, the point is, uh, I would get this on digital. And I would rewatch it. If anything, I, I'm, I'm going to rewatch that ending scene. I mean, the score, and again, the cinematography, the performances in this, stellar across the board. Um, again, I just, I don't love it. You know, I don't fucking love it. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm getting older. I'm getting softer. Maybe that's what it is. But I think on a more deeper level is really the plot. Like, I, I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed what it... I don't even know if I can say enjoyed. I didn't enjoy this movie. I just liked it. I liked what it did. I liked that it exists and I liked what it was doing. I liked the purpose that it had in terms of telling a story about a character that nobody really knows that much about. Nobody knows the origin of the Joker. People have done origin stories of the Joker, but nobody's really treated them seriously. At least I haven't. The story that I love about the Joker is that nobody really knows where he comes from, you know? Um, and I like some of the misdirects that the marketing of this movie did. They kind of made, led people along to think that they were doing a true, honest-to-God origin story, and it's really not. It's just a take. It's a creative take on a character. That's why it might work as a standalone. But I don't want it to be a standalone. I want this to be the beginning of a universe. I'd even be okay if this has nothing to do with Robert Pattinson's uh, Batman. I'd be totally fine if this brought in a whole other Batman. Why, we can't, why can't we have two Batmans at once? You know, why can't this movie be the starter kit to a wave of darker standalone movies that involve different interpretations of our characters? You know, we get a Robert Pattinson Batman movie, right? But then maybe we get another Batman movie that's really part of the Joker movies, but Batman's just a secondary character. I could dig that. It hadn't, it wouldn't, you know, something that wouldn't be, wouldn't uh, necessarily have been done before, you know? Why can't Superman just show up in a cameo for like 10 minutes? Be like, oh, yep, that's Superman, you know? We don't always have to do world building in the sense of let's throw all these mainstay characters into one movie. This movie doesn't feel like a comic book movie. I think that's one of the reasons why it's going to be so successful. I also think that's one of the reasons why people might not like it. People are either going to walk in this thing and immediately love it or they're going to walk out of it going, I don't know what the fuck that was. And I'm seeing it. Like I'm reading the reviews, like not even just critics, but like fan reviews online. And it's, it's polarizing, man. It's going either way. So I don't know. Close friend of mine, Uncle Rico, he fucking loved it. He said, call to work good. I say it's home video. 
you know, which is still good, by the way. It means I'm still going to buy the fucking thing. And I'm still glad I saw it. And I was looking forward to this for a long time after I got over the whole idea of what this movie was. Like I said, initially, I, I don't know if it really needed to be made, but now in retrospect, after watching it, I'm glad it was made. Todd Phillips, great job. Joaquin Phoenix, great job. Great jobs across the board. Great supporting cast, Zazie Beetz, Robert De Niro. Um, like I said, Bill Camp, Shia Wigham. I think I'm saying that name right. I, uh, I liked it. So who are the rest of us? The rest of us are the people that can go into a movie and like it, and they don't have to fucking love it. You know what I mean? Like I said, sometimes you just like a thing, you don't love it, you know? Sometimes you love Black Panther, sometimes you just like Black Panther. Sometimes you fucking loved Batman v Superman. <laughs> sometimes you don't. Sometimes people hated that. People still hate that movie. Like they still talk about the Martha scene. I just think that's so funny. Like that's the scene that gets you yoked up on. Never mind the fact that there's a fucking flying Kryptonian, you know, but the Martha thing, that was too much for you. You know what I mean? That's what I don't like when people can't suspend the disbelief. This movie is so goddamn real, there's no need to suspend disbelief. I mean, it's so goddamn real. It's so god, And it's so funny too, because without cell phones, without internet, I mean, that was, we talk about it, about how people are so infettered to the phones, you know, and how technology's taken over and people are disconnected and, and social media is horrible. But at the same time, I mean, you could get away with so much shit back then. And the Joker existing in the 80s is way more terrifying than the Joker existing nowadays. Because I feel like nowadays you'd be able to catch that motherfucker like GPS tracking, fucking, I don't know, all kinds of shit. If they found Walt's van full of money, they can find the Joker. But back then, fucking typewriters and there was a chick with a Rolodex on her desk. Does anybody even, anybody listening to the show even know what a goddamn Rolodex is? That's fucking terrifying. You're looking up people's names and numbers and a fucking flip card thing you know that's nuts that's insanity <sighs> anyway if anything i said on this show made you ponder your existence probably not but made you think for a second hey maybe that's a good thing maybe it was foolish maybe it wasn't foolish maybe it was dumb maybe i'm full of cum either way thank you for listening to the show and remember at the end of the day whatever i said it's just fiction don't take it seriously